Thank you, Diana. We have heard a word from Acts this morning. Now I want us to hear a reading from the book of Revelation. It reads, And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Can you imagine that scene? Angels and humanity, thousands upon thousands, surround the throne of God with their praises. Worthy is the Lamb. And as if that were not enough praise, soon every creature on heaven and on earth and under the sea and in the sea and every creature there is begins to sing praises to God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy is he. This is an amazing glimpse of God's vision for this world. It is an amazing glimpse of glory, of heaven. Can you just imagine what it will be like? The moment when God gets what God wants, truly gets what God wants, when the vision that God had from the beginning of creation, when the Spirit hovered over the Word and God stood with Jesus and spoke creation into this world, when that vision of unity finally comes into glorious being, holy, holy, holy Lord, there are those among us who live for this moment. They live as if in the waiting room, they're waiting for the fulfillment of God's vision with bated breath. There are those who watch the clouds for the coming of Jesus, signaling glory to come. If you hang around my mom long enough, you will hear her say, well, Jesus can just come back now. He can just come back anytime. They are sometimes those who have been beat up by this life, and they're awaiting the glory of things to come, living in faith of what they have not yet seen, but knowing what is coming because they believe in God's fulfillment of God's design. And then there are those who live among us as if that day is never coming. Actually, they live in the absence of thought about it. It never really enters their mind. Maybe this world has worked out pretty well for them and they're not too concerned of what lies beyond. But God... God waits for the fulfillment of God's vision. God yearns to walk with all of humanity once again. God waits for the heavenly glory-filled fulfillment of God's intention for the world that was created. And you might be like my mom. You might say, Lord, I'm ready. Bring it on. We wonder why God continues to wait. We question the seeming hesitation to bring this heavenly glory into fulfillment. Why, God, why aren't you bringing your vision to completion? Why well, have a theory? If the sky spilled over today, how many of our friends, brothers, sisters, loved ones, colleagues, classmates, 
classmates would be caught completely unaware. God's vision for the world included all people. God wants all of us together singing praises and shouting hallelujahs. And so when my mom says she's ready for Jesus to come back any time now, I asked her, well, how many people aren't even aware that he's coming? How many people are living cluelessly outside of the knowledge of God's love for them? How many have even stepped away from knowing about grace? I read an article from the Institute for Family Studies this week. That's what I do in my spare time. Doesn't that sound fun? It shared some statistics surrounding faith in America. The article highlighted that in a poll by Pew Research, 63% of Americans polled described themselves as Christians. And you might think, well, that's not terrible. It's down from 75% 10 years ago. One in three practicing Christians dropped out of church completely during COVID-19 and have not returned. Church membership in the U.S. dropped below 50% in 2020. They've been tracking that statistic since 1940, and it's the first time that it has fallen below the 50% mark. An American Family Survey suggests that religious attendance has declined significantly during the past two years of the pandemic. The article says that the share of regular churchgoers is down by six percentage points, which, again, you think, well, that's not terrible, but then you realize it dropped from just 34% to 28%. 28% of Americans are active churchgoers. I am grateful to say that our attendance in the northern churches of our parish has not suffered as dramatically that was one of my biggest worries during the pandemic is, will people come back? The numbers that we've just heard do not suggest that God's vision for our world is being fulfilled. God intended for all people of the world to know the love and the grace of God. All the people. That's where we come back to our scripture from Acts this morning. I remember the first time that I read this story kind of why I wanted to talk to the kids about reading the Bible and if it's easy to understand or not easy to understand. The first time I read this story, I thought, what in the world? Why is he having a vision with a sheet full of animals? I didn't understand that it was Peter understanding the totality of God's grace and then moving forward to defend that grace to other Jewish believers. I thought when I read it that the vision that Peter had was about food. At least, you know, to my young person's mind, that's, well, it says he can eat whatever he wants. Okay. I didn't understand the religious implications of Peter eating something that was not deemed as kosher for the Jewish people. So just in case any of you struggled to understand, I want to reread the story in a very common English translation. I want you to hear the movements in the story because there are four distinct movements. The news traveled fast, and in no time, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about it, heard that the Jewish outsiders were now in. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his associates 
concerned about circumcision, called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing? Eating what is prohibited, ruining our good name. So Peter, starting from the beginning, laid it out for them. Recently, I was in the town of Joppa praying. I fell into a trance and I saw a vision, something like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners came down out of heaven and settled on the ground in front of me. Milling around on the blanket were farm animals, wild animals, reptiles, birds, you name it, it was there. Fascinated, I took it all in. And then I heard a voice. Go to it, Peter, kill and eat. I said, oh no, master, I have never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. The voice spoke again. If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back up into the sky. Just then, three men showed up at the house where I was staying, sent from Caesarea to get me. The Spirit told me to go with them, so I went. I and six friends to the man who had sent for me. He told us how he had seen an angel right in his own house, as real as his neighbor, saying, send to Joppa and get Simon, the one they call Peter, he will tell you something that will save your life. So I started in talking. Before I'd spoken half a dozen sentences, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us the first time. And I remember Jesus' words, John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact gift to them as to us, when we believed in the master, Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted down. And then as it sank in, they started praising God. Do you hear the four distinct parts or movements in that story? First, Peter's in trouble again. Word has gotten back to the people of God that Peter's been hanging out with the wrong crowd. He's been hanging out with the Gentiles, not with God's people. What was he thinking? And so they call him on the carpet and say, what are you doing? You're going to ruin our good name hanging out with these people. Peter had broken the rules. He was breaking their Jewish law. Surely God would punish them when he found out what Peter had done. That's the first part of the story. And then the second part, Peter defends himself. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I went into a trance. I had this vision. There was a blanket and all kinds of animals. And God told me it was okay to eat. That was his defense. Can you imagine if one of your children came home and said, no, 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 I had a dream. And God said it was okay to do that. That's not a very hearty defense, is it? But Peter knew God's voice and knew God's spirit prompting him, and so he acted on his vision from God. And that gets us to the third part of the story where Peter once again follows God's promptings and goes where he should not go, to the home of a Gentile, an outsider to the faith. And he shared the good news of Jesus. And he barely got the story out, and they believed because of the spirit of God. Praise God. God. And then finally, in the fourth part of the story, we see this breakthrough moment in the minds of the religious leaders who had been yelling at Peter for hanging out with dirty sinners, 
outsiders as they really realize the scope of God's love and grace is not bound by their rules and regulations and that God is moving beyond the people of Israel to the people of all the world until the whole world hears, until all the people can gather around the throne and cry out and sing, worthy is the lamb. Do you see how it all works together to fulfill God's story? In God's world, there is no one outside of God's reach, God's grace. The, the Bible, God's entire story, our entire written scripture is the tale of God pursuing all people, calling them into freedom and grace. And I marvel at the faithfulness of the saints who have gone before us, saints like Peter, who overcame his own fear of breaking the rules, who stood as an ambassador and a defender of God's grace and who would share the gospel with anyone that prompted, that the spirit prompted him, even the outsider. So my question is, if the good news of Jesus Christ is going to reach the ends of the earth, if all of humanity is supposed to hear the gospel, then why are we surprised when God calls us to share it with who we consider the outsider? Isn't that who needs to hear it the most? Those who haven't heard? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the earth, to the ends of the earth. And the leader said, okay, we'll go and tell people that already know. And Jesus said, back up. I don't want you to tell people that already know. I want you to go to the ends of the, the earth until all of humanity knows. Jesus gave us a great commission. He gave us a distinct direction. And sometimes we monopolize the good news. I feel like the proof is in the pudding. It's in the numbers. 63% of Americans polled describe themselves as Christians, down from 75% just 10 years ago. One in three practicing Christians left active worship in the last two years. Church membership is below 50%, the first time since 1940. Only 28% of Americans are now regular churchgoers. These numbers haunt me because these people know the good news. They have been taught about grace, and I wonder what is happening. Do you know God? Has God helped you? Do you know grace? Who have you told? So I want to go on a mission trip. I'm going to take all of you with me. Ready? We're going to leave right after church. Hope you packed. You can bring your goat. Our mission field lies right outside the front door. As soon as we set foot outside, we are in mission. There are 55,251 people in Seneca County. I bet you know a bunch of them. I want you to think about your circle of influence. I want you to start directly in the center with the people closest to you. You are a missionary. You have been given a great commission, a clear direction. You are a missionary called to serve in your home and to your family. 
bring them to church. If we believe that Jesus died for our sins to offer us grace, to offer us eternity with God, if we believe that there is going to be a day that the sky spills over and every eye will see and every knee will bow and thousands will gather, angels and humans and animals, and the rocks themselves will cry out, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb. Don't we want to stand there with our families and see it? You are a missionary to your friends, your coworkers, your bowling buddies, your workout partner, your buddy at the lodge or the club or wherever you go, the coffee shop. Jesus said we would go to the ends of the earth. Let's start right outside the front door. And it doesn't have to be weird. Sometimes we make it weird. We don't know how to share our faith often. And it sounds weird when you say, hey, do you want to come to church? And people say, no. They don't know what we do here. They don't know that it's, it's important to us that someone loves a character in a movie enough that we go out and we buy them a goat. That is church. That is belonging to a family. It's, it's knowing that we celebrate together, that we offer to finish each other's projects. Nancy offered to finish my grandma's quilt that has sat unattended for 40 years. But because she values me, she offered to do that. That is church. We don't have to make it weird. You can just invite someone to something. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to a fellowship luncheon. You can invite them to lunch bunch. You can invite them to a men's breakfast. You can invite them to Bible study. Please, for all that is holy, invite them to the festival. Please. I have to go to church with that woman that came here. She would like all 55,251 people in Seneca County to come. Invite them to the fish fry. Invite them to our family. Invite them to our friendship. Invite them to life together. Because it's rough out there. And I appreciate the missionaries among us, those who bring their grandchildren and their children and their cranky teenagers I appreciate the missionaries among us who come and sit next to their parents and who bring their friends and who do life together. You are missionaries among us. And praise be to the God who leads us to share life together. Amen? Amen. Church, we have been redeemed. That is our story to tell. And so as we... Uh, consider the Great Commission as we consider who God is calling us to minister to. Stop and think as we sing this song of, of who you can reach out to until all the world hears of the love and grace of Jesus Christ.